0: Welcome to an Unearthly Podcast, New Modern Series Edition, Episode Zero, a podcast where we recap, review, and discuss brand new modern series episodes of Doctor Who from the 60th anniversary and beyond. I'm Mike. I'm Michelle. And I'm Tom. And today we have an introduction episode where we'll tell you a little bit about ourselves, talk about our history with the show Doctor Who, and let you know what we plan to do with and what you can expect from this podcast. Finally, we'll follow all that up with a short discussion about the 2023 Doctor Who Children in Need special titled Destination Scarrow. Happy 60th anniversary, everybody. Hey, all right. Yeah. All right. We are a little bit less than a week out from Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, and um, we're here to start talking about it. Um, And you might be wondering who we are. So um, I'll take it off the top here and let you know my name's Mike. I'm a 37-year-old male millennial of Italian, English, Scottish, and German heritage. Uh, I live in Ohio. I've lived in Ohio my whole life, um, predominantly the Cincinnati area, but I've also spent some time in the Athens area where I lived for a total of 10 years. Uh, I have a bachelor degree uh, in geology that I got from Ohio University. Um, Didn't take me 10 years to do it, by the way. I just got the degree and hung around for a little bit. Um, then, uh, I have a lot of different interests. I'm, I'm a huge music fan. Um, uh, I'm into sports, uh, I'm an animal lover. I love beer and food and I'm a massive fan of TV and film. Uh, and I'm also, a, uh, consider myself a video gamer. I'm kind of a self-described hippie super nerd. And also, um, something that brings me here is I'm a fan of podcasts and, uh, some of my biggest podcasts that I like are, uh, the Cons and Shoe podcast with Mike Labrie, Uh, The Podcastica Network, which uh, includes The Walking Dead cast, uh, or you could now it has been rebranded as The Cast of Us with uh, Jason Cabassi. Um, Also a big Bald Move fan uh, with Jim and Aaron. They're from the Cincinnati area. And if uh, you're a Doctor Who fan and you're listening to this podcast, you probably know of uh, Radio Free Scarrow with Stephen, Warren, and Chris. Big fan of all those podcasts. Uh, And that's kind of who I am. How about you, Michelle? Who are you?
1: Ah, Well, my name is Michelle. I've lived in Cincinnati for a while. I traveled around a little bit as a kid Um, studied film in college production and just like cinema itself. Um, Yeah, that's that's me. Where did you go to school? (laughs) I went to NKU Northern Kentucky University. Cool
0: and yes. yeah, you've you do you do, um, you do some uh, radio or not radio? Uh, you do like some audio editing for yeah. um, You have we have a local like independent filmmaking friend that you do some uh, audio editing for, right? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so you have a little bit of experience with audio equipment. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about you over there, father? What's your name and who are you?
2: Yeah, I'm Tom, and uh, I probably am uh, around seventy-ish. Uh, I am uh, completely Italian, first generation. Uh, I've lived in uh, many, many states, and obviously, currently, I am in Ohio. I uh, attended college, have a a degree in computer engineering, and uh, my interests range from uh, watching movies to probably playing outdoor games. Uh, I do like to listen to the radio, although I do not On a on a good day or a bad day, listen to any podcast. This is completely new to me, and I'm looking forward to the experience.
0: Cool, glad to hear it. Okay, so that's sort of our our introduction, and uh, now I'd like to talk about our history with the show Doctor Who, uh, sort of, so you can get a an idea for like where we're coming from um, and our experience with the show. And um, I think it's fair to say that Michelle's Doctor Who story sort of starts with me, and I think it's fair to say that my Doctor Who story sort of starts with my dad. So, Dad, why don't you take it away? What's your history with the show Doctor Who?
2: I discovered Doctor Who during the uh, Tom Baker era. I was uh, in a different city looking for something to watch and just happened to run across a Doctor Who episode, and that got me hooked. And from that, that time on, uh, I would try and find the episodes on TV. When I got back to Ohio, uh, I discovered that PBS was uh, putting those broadcasts on, and I enjoyed watching them every week. Uh, when I couldn't watch them, I recorded them, uh, and uh, we'd go from there. As uh, much as uh, the, the new series are concerned or the modern series, I find it quite interesting, but I do prefer... Uh, the older ones uh, just gives me a a better sense of uh, uh, that uh, they they were playing to
0: the people versus the camera. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's sounds about right with what I know. And um, I, uh, so where I come into it is it's the early nineties. I'm Uh, Growing up, I'm watching TV. We have two TVs in the house. One's a color television, one's a black and white television, which I think was even kind of weird for the early 90s. Um, Maybe not. Um, And we had a couch that was set off the wall in the family room with the color TV. Uh, And it was kind of one of those days, you know, back in the day when if somebody was watching something on the TV, they claimed it first or whatever, then kind of everybody's watching it uh, or, you know, you're walking. Like, again, it's the it's one of the only TVs you have. So I remember seeing my dad watching Doctor Who. And uh, primarily what I remember is the third and fourth Doctor episodes. And I remember sitting down. And starting to watch them with him at some point, even though I kind of gave him a lot of crap because, you know, as a young kid, you're watching this older show, which, you know, we all know was cheaply made. It's kind of hard for kids to get into uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I find I have trouble with that today with stuff that was new when I was young with kids today. So I think it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's funny and I can make fun of myself for not liking Doctor Who at one point. But I think I was, I was. As a kid, I was doing what normal kids would do. Um, One of the first episodes I remember seeing was Planet of the Spiders, which would have also been my first regeneration story. And I distinctly remember a lot of those PBS money begging segments, just like tons and tons and tons and tons of them, Uh, almost to the point where it felt like I was seeing more of the PBS stuff than I was seeing of the actual episodes. Um, And I do distinctly remember hiding behind the couch that I mentioned was offset off the wall. Um, before I even knew that that was like a wider phenomenon thing that happened. Um, And uh, I also remember as a kid, my dad had, he still has uh, two VHS tapes. One is the Talons of Wang Chiang. The other one is the Five Doctors. And I remember as a kid looking particularly at the cover of the Five Doctors and just, you know, oh my God, this guy dies and he regenerates. And what a cool concept. And kind of connecting with the concept as a kid, but then watching it on tv in execution i wasn't i wasn't able to engage with it um in a way that i am able to now flash forward to november 2006 i'm 20 years old i'm living in the dorms at ou a commercial for the impossible planet comes on uh the sci-fi channel which is where it was airing here in the states um and uh, i did a little looking up um that The Possible Planet aired on November 17th of 2006, so I immediately went and I watched it that weekend, and I've been hooked and never looked back. Uh, I have not missed an episode at broadcast since, Um, so that's kind of where my broader love of Doctor Who started um, and and my history with how I came to the series. How about you, Michelle? You're up.
1: Yeah, so um I kind of knew of it growing up, but I didn't really watch it. You know, I just saw an episode or two. You kind of knew about it through pop culture references and things like that. And then when it came back in the 2000s, I had a lot of friends that really watched it. I knew a lot of like, you know, the basic lore, but I never really followed it um until we started dating. And then at that time, we watched it all and caught up, and it was Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor. And I was already a giant fan of his like going into that. So it feels natural that he kind of became my doctor. Um, but I love the show. Um, he is my doctor. I've, I've enjoyed what we've watched so far of the classic series and I'm interested to dive more into it. Um, but I I like it all because it just really, every time it's just everything new expands the universe into something else and it just makes anything that's impossible seem possible. So
0: yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so our experience with the show... Um, I, you know, I think all three of us have seen every episode of the modern series. Uh, I don't think we've missed any of that. Uh, I personally have seen every existing episode of the Hartnell era. Um, And then very, you know, major milestone episodes of all the doctors. You know, I've seen Tomb of the Cybermen. Michelle and I watched the Sea Devils. Uh, I've seen a bunch of third and fourth doctor episodes. You know, I've seen like the entire first um, season of Baker seen, you know, all of Trial of a Time Lord, I I, I've, I, would guess my experience to the classic series is probably about 60%. And I would think my dad, probably even more, um, although it's probably been more time since he's seen some of those episodes um, that were airing, you know, back in the day when he was watching it in syndication. Um, Michelle, what and what would you, I'd guess maybe your exposure to the classic series is maybe about 10%? Yeah, we Somewhere in that range? Yeah. Um, And then we all have varying levels of exposure to some of the um, uh, Mm spinoffs. My dad, I think, has seen K-9 and Company. I have not. Michelle has not. Um, I've seen all of Torchwood. Um, Michelle's seen the first season. Uh, My dad has seen, you know, spotty, Spotty with Torchwood, I think. Right, Dad? Yep, yeah, that's correct. Um, Sarah Jane Adventures. I've seen all of except for um, definitely didn't see the fifth. Any of the fifth season, the shorter last season, and I think there's probably some fourth season episodes that maybe I didn't see. Although I think that's the one that has Joe Grant and Matt Smith um, make an appearance, and I know that I saw that episode. Um, and then Class, I think Michelle and I watched like the first three episodes of that and never finished it. Uh, Dad, did you watch any Class? No, I don't believe I did. Yeah, um, I, I didn't watch a ton of it. So uh, that's sort of our exposure to the overall series. Um, what I'm kind of going for here is all kinds of level, different levels of experience. You've got my father, who is a baby boomer, and he started watching the series in the late 70s or early 80s. Um, and has been a long-time fan. You've got myself, who's a millennial. I've been watching the series in earnest since 2006. Um, you could kind of call me a modern series fan. Um, although I, you know, like I mentioned, had exposure from a very young age to a lot of uh, classic Doctor Who episodes. Um, and then you've got Michelle, who I, um, is also a millennial. Um, and she came to the show in about 2015 uh, in earnest um, and also has a different level of experience than my father and I. So we're kind of getting the whole spectrum here the best we can. Also, a female and male, male opinions. I wanted to mention that, too. Uh, kind of like millennial versus boomer sort of thing going here. Just trying, trying to, you know, create a, um, an interesting space for talking about Doctor Who. So that's, uh, there you have it. That's um, sort of our exposure to and history with the show Doctor Who. Um, and s- now I want to talk really quick about the, um, the format uh, that we'll be covering each episode. Um, so every time there's an episode, we will um, open up the episode with brief, overthou- brief overall thoughts about the episode that we're talking about. Um, we'll recognize the broadcast date, cast and crew of that episode. Um, And then we will do a scene by scene episode recap and I'll try not to get too into the weeds when I do that. I'm not going to cover every single beat within a scene, but I will try to get the major beats included in there um, to kind of give, um, you know, a clear recounting of what happened in that episode. Um, You might be wondering why we're doing a recap. Um, A lot of podcasts don't. They just kind of talk about things that stand out to them. Um, I really like episode recap podcasts, uh, which is uh, probably the number one reason that we're doing it is because that's what I like. And I'm sort of the host of the podcast and the editor. Um, but another reason is I find that sometimes there are things that happen in these episodes that, you know, maybe when I'm watching it and I've only watched the episode once, I, it, I, it doesn't come across clear to me exactly what has happened, um, maybe, or the reasoning behind why it's happened. And sometimes when you have these podcasters like myself, who are going to be watching the episode in question three or four times, they can get a better understanding or maybe catch something that you didn't, or, you know, be able to piece it all together. Um, and I find that that's helpful for me if I'm only I have time to watch the episode once, to have somebody else come in and explain it to me. And it also gives us an opportunity to talk about every scene without missing it. So that's kind of why I want to do a recap. So um, after we finish the recap, We'll then finish with our final thoughts on the episode, and then um, any 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 notes that didn't seem to fit in with the rest of the format of the episode. We'll do a notes section at the end after our final thoughts. Uh, does that make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Any questions? N- no. no. Okay. Well, that's um, the introductory portion of our podcast. Now um, we're going to move on to uh, discuss this. Doctor Who Children in Need special that just came out um, a couple days ago, Um, and first of all, what did you guys think? What were what were your overall thoughts before we get into a recap of it?
1: Um, Well, I guess I am curious to see because I mean it was it was funny. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yes, Um,
0: definitely mm comic, comically. I'm
1: curious to see like what. If anything, it means going forward, um, like especially in particular, like to a couple of different things, like how much of it is like leading into or how much of it was just a skit to be like, ha ha, funny, funny. Yeah. Dad?
2: Well, I took it as an introduction to uh, the next season coming out. Uh, it was very cursory, uh, really wasn't much depth in it. Uh did enjoy seeing the uh, sets and hearing uh, some of the stories uh, from the actors. Uh, other than that, I'd, uh, it was a good uh, moneymaker for children in need. I thought that was uh, a very good uh, charity, and I'm hoping that the episodes that are coming up this year are, are going to be uh, as entertaining as uh, the children in need.
0: Yeah, I th- yeah and I, I thought it was good I thought it was great seeing um, the people I thought the the film looked great uh like it looked crisp 4k beautiful um i I thought at, the first time I watched it I thought okay there's not a lot here uh the second time I watched it I got more mm-hmm. out of it and more and more as I kept going and I do think there's a few things we can extrapolate from it um, for the rest of the season so uh, we will get into that. Uh, First, I want to talk about real quick, there's a couple of these that have been done before. Uh, Doctor Who does a lot of Children in Need stuff over the years. Most of them are like previews for like an upcoming, usually like the Christmas special as it usually like is this time of year that they do it. Um, Notable deviations from a preview. uh, Of course, you've got 2005's Children in Need special, which was David Tennant's first um, appearance outside of the end of the final episode of of, – of um Christopher Eccleston's season, um it's also come to be called Born Again. I don't call it that. I call it the Children in Need um episode. I don't know where Born Again came from, if that's a fan thing or what, but that is also what it's called. Um, also, 2007. Um, They did time crash. That was when Peter Davison came back and he did a little thing with David Tennant. Uh, you get, you guys probably remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, 2011, there's a short called the naked truth, which basically features Matt Smith being naked, like popping out of the TARDIS and being like, Oh, all you guys are there. Look at this. You see me naked. And it's, you know, it's super silly. Um, and then 2012, they had a mini episode that was the Great Detective that featured uh, Madame Vastra um, uh, and 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 the Paternoster the Pater gang. Um, those are all what I would call like original scenes. Um, I would say three of them are like canon, fit in, and, and like are connective tissue. The Naked Truth is really just a comedy sketch that doesn't really fit. I mean, you could almost fit it in anywhere uh, in Matt Smith's tenure. You know, he's he has a lot of spaces where you can fit crap in uh notably the only other thing that they did that wasn't like a preview or like an original scene in 2006 they did a doctor who confidential that featured a lot of music concert uh, like a concert of music from the series um so that's it that's that's what children in need has historically been for doctor who it's been a lot of different things um mostly previews several scenes one doctor who confidential um okay um the next thing i want to mention is there is actually a comic i didn't know this until recently maybe i'm a bad doctor who fan there's a comic called liberation of the daleks that actually picks up from the moment that david that that jodie regenerated into david uh and and ends with the TARDIS heading off to SCARO, which is where this short begins. So apparently they've been publishing like a chapter of that in every doctor who magazine for like the past 13 months. I think the first issue came out like two weeks after Jody regenerated or something, which is really cool. And I'm sad that I wasn't following this and um, I'll probably pick up an episode of the collected, uh, a a copy of the collected volume on that soon. Um, I think it's available in a few months uh, but That was called Liberation of the Daleks. So if you were kind of, I was kind of thinking to myself like, oh, okay, there seems like a little bit of a space here, but whatever. I'll go with it. That's why. It's because there is a bit of a space here. He even says it's been 60 minutes since he was Jody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So a little bit of time has passed. Um, okay. Um, was there anything else I wanted to discuss? Oh, yes. Uh, we want, I wanted to talk, talk briefly about the uh, the cast and stuff. Um, this five-minute length uh this was directed by Jamie Donaghy. I'm pretty sure we see him. So that's another thing. Um my dad and I got to watch the um the episode uh what's it called? The uh, Doctor Who Unleashed episode um for this episode. Uh, Michelle didn't hasn't had a chance to watch it yet. Um but they kind of discussed some of the behind the scenes stuff there. Um and I'm pretty sure we see Jamie Donaghy at one point talking with uh David Tennant um and the uh, the host of the Doctor Who Unleashed thing. Um, also, it's written, no surprise, by Russell T. Davis. Um, and there's music from Murray Gold that uh, I will mention a late, uh, little later. Also, 14th Doctor, played by David Tennant. Uh, Mr. Castavillion, played by Mawan Rizwan. Davros uh, is played by The Return of Julian Bleach, uh, who, he played Davros in The Stolen Earth, The Journey's End, in 2008. Uh, also, he played Davros in The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch Familiar in 2015 with the mask on and tons of makeup. So if you didn't recognize him, that's okay. Uh, you might have recognized his voice. Also, he appeared as the Ghostmaker in Torchwood Series 2 and the Nightmar- Nightmare Man and Sarah Jane Adventures Series 4. Uh, finally, of note in the cast, um, you've got the voice of the Dalek and of Nider, who is a character in Genesis of the Daleks. If nobody knew that, um, because I didn't remember that. Uh, And that's played by Nicholas Briggs, who has done the Daleks voices, I think, since the modern series came back. So that's the cast. Any notes from you guys on the cast um, and crew? Uh, Nothing Mm -hmm. from me. No? Okay. Um, All right. So let's hop right into the recap and we'll discuss this episode. What do you guys say? Sure. All right. Destination Scarrow. We open to the TARDIS flying through space towards the red surface of the planet Skaro. We cut inside a room on the surface and in walks Davros, who is greeted by Mr. Castavillian. After some brief brown-nosing from Mr. Castavillian, Davros introduces the future of the Khaled race, an as-of-yet-unnamed Mark III travel machine, a small one-man tank-like machine with a bonded poly—quote, bonded polycarbide shell— Ruby Ray Blaster and a multi dexterous claw capable of annihilating a million thalls. What do you guys think of the first minute of the short? Anything?
2: No, it was a good introduction. I I, I believe that uh, it left you uh, wanting more, which is uh,
0: a good thing.
1: Is Ruby gonna turn into like the bad wolf of?
0: huh you're right he did say ruby yeah
1: that was one thing that stuck out to me initially is and then i mean we know what the name of like the christmas special is and we know like the name of the companion so it feels it feels very like rose-ish like destiny
0: like ruby is yeah yeah like the bad wolf was everywhere Mm -hmm. in the first season interesting i didn't actually pick that up on that that's pretty cool um yeah, so Davros as an adult before he's disfigured. Um, we saw him previously as a child. Um, this was the only other time we saw him pre-disfigurement. Uh, we saw him in Ma- Magician's Apprentice and the Witch is Familiar with uh, Peter Capaldi. Um, he, met- he, mar- he refers to the Dalek as Mark III, which I mentioned, which that's what he also referred to them as in Genesis of the Dalek. Um, there's really no concrete Mark one or Mark two. There's a couple different theories, I guess, as, as far as that goes, like, da- like Davros's chair is Mark one is a theory. Mark two is like a prototype of what we see the Mark three. Eh, you know, take that as what you will. I sort of think. Um, and then that claw, I feel like that claw, I've seen it before. Like, I feel like I want to say like a welding cutter, maybe like a Dalek, maybe, Like in the middle of the claw, there was like a hot light and they were using it to like cut through a door maybe or something. I can't remember where I, I, but anyway, I feel like that claw is a reuse prop possibly, (laughs) I guess is what I'm getting at. I think, I feel like I've seen it before. Um, And then, yeah, this first section felt really Davros, Julian Bleach focused um, because yeah, I don't think, I didn't know that Julian Bleach was going to be in this. Maybe I wasn't really paying attention Uh, I knew Maoran Rizwan was going to be in there because he's like a stand-up comic, I think, or he does comedy. And um, they had announced he would be and shown all kinds of pictures of him uh, from the short. But I think this was supposed to be a big surprise. Look, it's Julian Bleach, and he is not wearing Mm -hmm. the makeup. And look. Like And I thought that was kind of cool, and that's sort of why, here at the beginning, they give him a lot of classic Davros lines. Ruby Ray Brasta, you know, capable of annihilation. Like, they really let him go, and I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Anything else about this first opening scene? There's not much here. I'm kind of... uh, That's the other thing, guys, is I'm kind of... This is more recounting than I'll probably do when we get to an actual episode, and there's a lot more... Uh, we got to get through it mm-hmm. um, okay so the next section Mr. Castavillian then suggests that they should use an anagram of Khaled for the name of the machine he suggests several Lekad Adlek, Clade, and Edelka Davros voices dislike for all of them and is called away by his assistant Nider leaving Mr. Castavillian with the order to touch nothing anything here?
1: I think at that moment I knew that I was like, of course they're going to have, you know, the 14th Doctor show up and, you know, of course he's going to say Dalek and then, then they're going to like, I kind of knew at that point, but I was, I was excited for it. I was ready to see it because I was like, you know, it's going to be funny, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: agree. I kind of knew at that point that they might be doing that with the name, although I didn't see the claw thing coming, mm-hmm. I but I, I'm with you on the name. How about you, Dad?
2: I really didn't think much of the scene. I thought it was more of a throwaway scene than
0: anything else. Gotcha, yeah. I I mean, I thought this part was meant to be blatant comic relief in a way, you know, because a lot of Red Nose is, uh, this isn't Red Nose, I'm sorry, a lot of children in need stuff is comic relief. Meant to make you smile, make you laugh. Um, And... This felt like that. This felt like where Rizwan um, got to shine a little bit and show some of his comic chops. I thought the way he delivered the last name, Edelka, mm-hmm. uh, it, like where, you, you know, he's like straining in his face. Like, how can I make this sound Work. good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, while still delivering it. I thought um, Mawan Rizwan did a good job mm-hmm. uh, delivering that. So I thought that was cool. And th- this scene was, I felt like for him. Uh, next scene. The TARDIS suddenly crashes into the room, ripping off the machine's claw in the process. The 14th Doctor pops out, still grappling with the meaning of regenerating back into his older face. He quickly realizes he has damaged something, rips the claw out of the side of the TARDIS, and moments later, um, moments later sees the machine in the center of the room. He throws out the word Dalek and exterminate, much to Mr. Castavillion's delight it dawns on the Doctor the mess he is creating with time and as he is about to leave Mr. Castavillian reminds him that he broke the Dalek's claw. The Doctor then goes into the TARDIS pops his head out and tosses a plunger to Mr. Castavillian before taking off. I think my favorite part of
1: this was when he like kind of like referenced Jodie, and it also felt kind of like because I loved it when, like when she did it and she was like you know just a little bit ago I was like a you know gray haired Scotsman or whatever and and now he's like 60 minutes ago I was this brilliant woman and I'm like that
0: I felt like it was a good way to like call back to her like for sure. Yeah, I I love that cuz you know they're friends mm-hmm. too um, outside of it and also I I like when the 10th/now slash 14th doctor uses the word brilliant to mm-hmm. describe something. I feel like that uh, it's always used to, des- to describe something positive mm-hmm. or or brilliant and um it just—it was great to see, A, that come out of his mouth and hear it. And even better, I thought, to see him refer to the Jody doctor with mm-hmm. it.
2: How about you, Dad? Yeah, I, I feel about the same as you do on this episode.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought this scene in particular, there was a lot to say. All right? Uh, so David Tennant's back, and it's like he never left. Mm-hmm. And, dab does he look good in modern HD. I thought, I thought this whole episode looked good at, in the modern HD Um you know, it's it's nice to you know see David in it because he he got some of the HD episodes at the end. Uh, I think starting with *Planet of the Dead* was eight, was the first HD one, um, and he never, but he didn't get the full treatment. It's come a long way since then too. So be- look look beautiful. Also, um, right when the Doctor crashes, the camera zooms in on the TARDIS and the Murray Gold music triumph- triumphantly just soars. Mm-hmm. Like, I you hear, dun, 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 or something like that, and it was like, freaking Murray Gold is back, man. And and not that I didn't like Sagan Aquinola. I liked Sagan Aquinola, but man, something about the Murray Gold music just really gets me, and it got me there. I heard it, and I was like, yes! Like, made me want to pump my fist. And I smiled big and wide when, when David sticks his head out of the TARDIS. I was like, yes! Like, just, I don't know. I loved it. Um, and he, he says so much so quickly. Um, he says he was just passing by because he got a bit lost. It's probably a throwaway line, but I haven't read uh, Liberation of the Daleks, so I don't know if that is a throwaway line, or maybe we'll get a little discussion about that later. Uh, he says he regenerated 60 minutes ago, so that sort mm-hmm. of firmly plants this Right where it is, we know exactly where this fits on the timeline. It's not, it's you know, not nebulous. It's not we can try to figure out where to slot it in. We know. Uh, you mentioned he refers to Jodie as a brilliant woman. I talked about that. Uh, he's grappling with why he has that face. I think this is something we're going to see. I mean, it seems obvious mm-hmm. that it's going to be something that gets addressed. But I think this is our first like confirmation that, yeah, he's going to be grappling with why he regenerated back into this face. Does he have unfinished business as this with this face? I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think we'll get more on that. Um, he creates a bootstrap paradox is what it's called. Um, by being the origin of the word Dalek and exterminate where he wasn't, you know, he learned that from presumably Davros, Mm uh, or somebody and here he creates it. So that's a bootstrap paradox. There's really no tangible beginning um, to where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's common for Doctor Who. They do that crap all the time. I, 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 it's funny. It doesn't make sense when you really sit down and think about it, but it's, it's, it's funny. And it's a timey-wimey thing that you do. Um, he mentions the phrase Genesis of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, episode of Doctor Who with Tom Baker, I bet Tennant loved... Slipping that in there. Um, and if you watch the scene, Rizwan and Tenet are never in the same frame mm-hmm. together. Julian Bleach and Rizwan share the frame. Tenant and um, Rizwan are never in the same frame yeah. together. So I get the distinct impression that they film this separately, mm-hmm. which is fu- it's normal for film. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I noticed that. Uh, do you guys have anything to add to any of those notes? Nope. No. OK, let's get into the last recap here. As the TARDIS disappears, the sound of footsteps approach, and Mr. Castavillion scrambles to stick the plunger into place on the Dalek where the claw was once located. Davros likes the upgrade, and we smash cut to a text screen that says, Doctor Who returns November 25th. Booyakasha. Any, anything? Exciting. Yeah. Uh, the only note I have on this section is um, the plunger arm. Hmm is known uh, apparently as the manipulator arm. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Um, so yeah, that's the episode. I thought it was fun. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's really nothing, you know. It's, it, there's no, nothing really happening. It's just funny and fun. And hey, let's create a bootstrap, par- bootstrap paradox on where the Daleks got their name and where they learned how to say exterminate. And let's throw out Genesis of the Daleks and make all the fanboys giggle, you know. Like it's, it was fun for what it was.
1: It was fun. I liked it. It was a good, like it was good to see some Doctor Who again. It, it does have me excited for next week.
0: Yeah. Um, and then my dad and I, like I said, we watched the Doctor Who Unleashed episode. Um, it was a fun little look behind the set. Uh, I thought David looked like he was having a lot of fun, uh, smiling, and um, they were doing some some gags with the plunger, with the host. Um, it was re- there was this really cute moment where they sang. Happy birthday to David Tennant on the set because it was his birthday while they were filming this. Uh, he kind of popped his head out of the TARDIS and then they all started singing Happy Birthday and he was like, oh, like he mm-hmm. didn't, like, I didn't expect that. And it, it was really cute. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about is the Davros switch. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, there's this little section where Russell T. Davis talks about how he. The times have changed, and he there is a a thing that's been that's happened uh, in film and cinema where sort of disability gets um, gets tied to evil, Um, and here with Davros being in a wheelchair, being disfigured, and being evil, um, he didn't necessarily want to keep going with that trope, and he, you know was basically he was saying like this is davros in 2023 he is um you know upright he's not disabled um but he is evil and we want to you know the times change tv you know an example he made um tv used to be black and white now it's in color you know and you could go even further with that it used to be standard deaf. now it's high def and 4k and all that and times change and we adjust with the times and this is davros in 2023 I don't know what that means moving forward. Like, are they going to have a lot of episodes? Like maybe are we going to have a Davros disfigurement episode where, Mm. um, maybe with shooty, because I don't know that we're coming back to the Daleks with David. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe with shooty, we'll have a, how did Davros get disfigured episode or something? Um, I have a set. I I almost feel like, yeah, maybe we're going to get some more of these, um, I guess Genesis era, um, episodes Mm -hmm. or shots of Julian bleach um playing Davros uh I don't know what do you guys think about that
1: um I mean it's something that they can easily just kind of write off as like Wibbly you know timey me whatever stuff like he found some way to fix it or you know like they are only going to be going back to like this like Davros like before he's like, hurt before he's disfigured, before he's in the wheelchair. So, I mean, they could go either way with it. Like, if they wanted to just say, like, this is him now, they can easily, like, you know, find some time loop or some way to explain it, I feel like. So, I don't... Maybe they, they have a clear direction. Maybe they don't, but he just wanted to make that statement. And then he's going to kind of wait and see if it fits in from there. But okay. it could go either way, I feel like.
0: How about you, Dad?
2: I think Davis... Davies... Um, had a make-up reason. Uh, I think he made that reason up uh, about people in wheelchairs. I kind of disagree with that statement. Uh, if you're going to do a reset, that's fine, but don't give me this blame excuse that uh, that uh, people in wheelchairs are tend to be evil in movies and television. I don't believe that. I just believe he wanted to make a change,
0: and he just pulled this excuse out of the air. I would firmly disagree with that. I'd say that there is a history. Uh, and, and see, I, I, I feel like when we draw um, absolutes here, that's when we run into a problem. I don't think every time there's a disabled person on the screen, they're depicted as evil. But there is oftentimes an association made where you've got an evil character and he's also disabled. And therefore, it creates an association between the two. That can be problematic moving forward. Hundred percent think that's the case. Um, I'm struggling to draw any examples right now. I can think of an example in Doctor Who, um, where uh, Russell T. Davis episode, where he uh, it was the Voyage of the Damned episode, where you had, and my name's Max, and he was like this. He was he was he was basically wheelchair bound. He was like a, a head in a machine that moved around, and he was evil and disabled and i'm wondering if you know davis saw that episode and was like yeah man this i feel like this doesn't age well with where i've come or something and you know or or maybe maybe not necessarily that but i you know i could see something like that sometimes you catch something like that and yeah you know if i could do that again i would change this and and i think this is him trying to maybe be somebody who leads the charge in in this you know and Hey, every time we, not every, and again, I don't want to say every time because I, I, I think when you get into absolutes like that, you, you get into trouble, but we don't need to associate disability with evil. Let's just make an evil character and we don't have to like give him a peg leg and a cane or a limp or, you know, something like that. Like he doesn't have to be disabled. He can be able body and just evil And I don't have a problem with that. I know a lot of people do. I've seen Ian Levine complaining, like, mad online. It just doesn't bother me. It just doesn't bother me at all. Um, I'm, you know, I'm for it, I guess. Like, uh, you know. I
2: don't don't have an objection to them changing the character. Uh, I don't have, I mean, I don't believe he should be in a wheelchair or he shouldn't be in a wheelchair. That's fine. Uh, I guess I object to his thinking. I mean, it's almost like saying that all blondes are dumb. That's not true. We know that's not true. And not all evil characters, or at least people in wheelchairs, play evil characters. We know that's false. Right. So I, I find I find his reasoning uh, a little flawed from my perspective. Sure. Now, go ahead, change the character, do a reset. That's all good. Fine, I don't have an objection to that, Uh, but I'm not sure I buy that reasoning. Yeah. Uh,
0: Again, I like to stress he. I don't think he was being absolute in his wording. Um, Like, I don't think if you know, he would say to use your example, "all blondes are dumb" or whatever. Uh, And I don't think he was trying to say here that every time there is. Uh, disabled person on the screen that they are depicted as evil or vice versa i think he was just saying oftentimes or we see it enough that it's problematic uh again i don't i don't think he was being absolute one way or the other um but yeah that's sort of our thoughts on that and the davros switch um we're kind of mixed but there you go millennials versus boomers am i right (laughs) there you go All right, everybody.
1: That's our show.
0: Thanks for listening. Next time, we are excited to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who with its first new episode in roughly 13 months, The Star Beast. I'm Mike. I'm Michelle. And I am Tom. We'll see (laughs) you.